Hey guys, this is Joe. By the way, you might want to put on a bathing suit because you'll be channel surfing in no time. Hey guys, it's Eric. There were no utensils in medieval times, hence there are no utensils at medieval times. Would you like a refill on that Pepsi? Cable guy! He's courteous. Is there a problem with your service? He's charming. Can I have your skin? Silence of the land. And once you let him into your house, Let's get it on. You'll never get him out of your life. All right, already. Jim Carrey. Matthew Broderick. The Cable Guy. Here's a comment card. Please mail it in when I am done. Rated PG-13. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not too bad, not too bad. It'll be a lot better after the saw week's over. So Yeah, work, busy work stuff. Work. Schools are coming to an end, so we are trying to wrap up all of our last minute notes and all these things for the students and just getting it up. It's like a, it's like crunch time basically. So you might also hear my dog barking. I apologize for that. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> One of the, my dogs are probably going to go nuts in a few minutes because my wife's going to leave and they're going to start howling. But it's funny you say that because one of the other podcasts, I just found this podcast. I love um, like early 90s and mid 90s um, hip hop, like old school stuff. And I, I don't know how I found it, but there's this podcast called Passing Period and it's the host is this girl. She goes by De La Swan and she's a teacher in the California area. I don't remember exactly where, but she says the same thing. Cause like, so I found her like well into her. She'd already been doing it for a couple of years. So I had all these like backed episodes. You, you, you love the idea, Joe. Cause she'll just be like, all right, I'm going to play like 10 of my favorite songs. They're all like a theme. Like, so she'll do like 10, like breakup songs, 10, like, um, I don't know, just different, ver- different. She ties different hip hop, like old school stuff. And anyway, during the school year, she does like one mini episode like every month but during the summer she does like an episode a week it's awesome it's 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 if you like yeah if you like like early 90s hip-hop hip-hop in general uh, and then she'll do like i've learned a bunch of uh about a bunch of like underground stuff that i never would have found probably so it's cool it's a cool podcast passing period if you're into early 90s hip-hop or old school hip-hop check out passing period it's fine because I'm not really too familiar with this, so it'd be good, be a good learning experience, I guess. Good education. Yeah, too. and it's cool because she'll be like, she'll, she'll say like, all right, these next few songs are, are this next song's blah blah blah, and she'll either tie like how she found out about it or, like some tie to her life, and then play the song, and then it's so you get like it's kind of like a play, it's kind of like a radio show, that plays only good music with no commercials. There's just like a little background story before every song. So that's really cool. I like yeah, that it's idea cool a lot. Idea. You so, know what I, uh, we, we were talking about HBO shows as well. Yeah. With the water thing. I just ended up, I watched it when it was airing, but I never finished the final season. I went back and re or finished up Silicon Valley. Have you ever seen that show? No, I haven't. I heard it's good though. It's, I mean, it has a, it has a formula they use for each season. So then it might get repetitive for some people, but it's, it, I, I, even though it's the same thing over and over again, I still enjoy it. And the last season, a little bit shortened than the other seasons. Yep. It's just a ton of fun to watch. It's pretty much you got the idea, like how tech guys trying to stop a business in yeah. Silicon Valley. <laughs> they the problems they kind of they run themselves into are just like 
it's ridiculous, and it's just so fun to watch them come out of these problems. Isn't one of the guys on the show named Gilfoyle or something? Yes, that's uh, Martin Starr's yeah. character. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what. That's why I've heard of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no. So other than watching anything else, that's good. Or I'm going to watch uh, probably the tonight tomorrow night the Kings of Staten Island. Me that too. New, yes, the new Peterson film looks really good. So Bree and I were gonna watch it. We were gonna watch it Friday, but then we had we went over. My parents got home too late. We were going to watch it Saturday. We had her parents over. They were over pretty late. And then, like, I don't remember what we did Sunday. And so we just keep saying, we're going to watch it. We're going to watch it. But we keep, yeah, I'm excited. I think I think I'm not on, on SNL. I'm not like Pete Davidson's not my favorite guy. But I think I have so much respect for, like, obviously what he's been through. And when you see that trailer and, you, you know, he's trying to do something with himself and, um, and then obviously Judd Apatow, Bill Burr. It's it's a lot yeah. of talent. So and, uh, yeah, I know we're gonna watch that too. I'm pretty much on the same boat as you. I, I Peterson, I like. I don't love him yet. I maybe I'll change after I watch this movie slowly. But like, um, it, the fact that he wrote it about his life or he was it was part of his life loosely. Um, right. It's the fact that he's like willing to kind of share that is really it's cool. Grave. So, yeah. It really is. So. Yeah. No, I all the respect for him. So yeah. That's about it. Movies, TV, and, and, and that's about it. So um, today we're going to be watching, it's my pick this week. So today we're going to be discussing the 1996 Jim Carrey film, The Cable Guy. And to go with that, I'm drinking, uh, I found a pretty good, pretty good one for this one, I think. TV Party IPA, we'll post it online. It's from Radiant Pig Brewing, who we used last week, actually. So, and it's delicious. It's, a, it's, it's very good. Great summer beer. Um, so check it out if you can find it here. I think they're out of New York, but obviously we're in Massachusetts and there's, I've seen it at a few different um, local stores. So again, TV party IPA, and we'll post it on Instagram and, and, uh, and everything uh, later, but yeah, check it out. So um, I picked this movie real quick. I've always loved this movie, I, but it's like this thing that I, I've lost this battle so many times. I'd say like one in four people, that I've tried to get to either watch it or rewatch it won't will will do it and the other ones won't give it a shot. Um, I remember not being like made fun of, but like just being looked at like I'm crazy when I was younger. When I love this movie, my brother loves this movie. One of his good friends uh, likes it, and like we would quote it and think it was hilarious, and people would look at us like we were like weirdos, which we are. But um, yeah, so I've always liked this movie, um, and now I have a podcast, so I can review whatever I want. So. Take that. No, yeah. I, I, and, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I said this movie's this movie's kinda like one of those films that just never left to me. Like you I watched when I was younger, and for whatever reason, certain scenes have always kind of stuck with me. So it's <laughs> Yeah. It's a it's a it's a it's a good dark comedy. Yeah, and, and that and that is it. It's it's um it's a dark comedy, so it's not gonna be for everyone or it's not it's not you, you maybe some people have to be in the mood to watch it sometimes, but um, I love it. So, do you have any stats as far as how it was received? Uh, so, I, I have a, not a whole lot of stats for this, but uh, so it was released it was pretty cool, actually, exactly 24 years ago yesterday. I know, and we were supposed to record yesterday, and I postponed it, and I saw that after. After I was like, I went to bed and I like opened up Instagram and one of the other podcasts that we follow shared it. And I was like, and we, I honestly didn't even know that. 
I was like, son of a <laughs> yeah so yeah it came so. out the movie was released on june 14th 1996 it had a budget of 47 million dollars and made 102.8 million it was directed by ben stiller and written by lou holtz jr who actually happened who was a uh, los angeles prosecutor at the time and oh. this is his only writing credit because of that and it was actually uh there was a this was going to be like a fun fact but i'll put it into this because it's kind of relevant it uh, Judd Apatow was trying to get a credit for this film and there was a pretty big um, battle between him and Holtz because they had different versions and Stiller referred to uh, Lou's version of the movie kind of like a, a silly buddy comedy while Apatow made his script to make it more bleaker per Carrie's request going for a more funny version of classic soccer films yep so in the end, it, it, we know that we know the outcome. Lou Holtz ended up getting his story out there, and it took him five giraffes to get it there. Um, but Carrie described the finished product as Hitchcock meets Jerry Lewis and Rosemary's Baby meets The Odd Couple, which is actually yeah, really uh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, and I mean those stats that you gave—it's funny because people think of it this movie like it was a huge financial failure, and it really wasn't. It it did it did pretty well because of partially because of where. Jim Carrey was at the time, and we'll get over that, but it didn't get the best reviews compared to some other movies, but financially, it, it did it did well. Right, um, and it's a shame too, because the reviews were all based on Carrey's character. Everyone's so used to 90s Jim Carrey. This was a more darker take on, you know, an acting role. Yeah. A lot of people, for whatever reason, based, that, based the reviews right on his character. Right, so um, didn't do well enough, obviously, in my opinion. Right now, it's a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ebert gave it two stars, and I think it's just like we were saying earlier, um, just dark comedies never get the, the love that they deserve. People that like the movie will love it. Like I, I really enjoy this movie, and I I try to get everyone to watch it again. Even Especially people around my age or your age, if you watch this movie in 96 when you were 11 and you didn't think it was funny, that probably means you're normal because I was. It was weird that I liked this movie when I was younger, but I, as an adult, I think if you go back and rewatch it, just give it a chance. It'll be it'll be funny. But um, other things that were going on in the world in '96, uh, Woody Harrelson. We're trying to keep this light a little bit. Um, Woody Harrelson arrested in Kentucky for planting hemp seeds. So how times have changed. <laughs> Keeping a light. <laughs> well, that well, yeah, no, no, he got arrested no, for yeah, hemp. Yeah, done. The Colorado Avalanche sweep Florida to win the cup. This is not light. Uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, was indicted in court. Uh, Nintendo 64 goes on sale in Japan. Oh, it's groundbreaking. Yep, it's a big day for Joe. <laughs> big day. And for me, I had I, I, that's all I did at that age. Um, Independence Day premiered in June of 96. Uh, Allen Iverson selected first overall by Philly in the NBA draft, which that actually surprised me. If you ask me when... Allen Iverson got drafted. I probably say like '93 or '94. I didn't think it was that late. And then also, uh, not a, a great movie in my opinion. Not a professor. The uh, Eddie Murphy version premiered in theaters. So obviously not forever either. Um, so just to give people an idea of what the movie's about, Joe, do you have the uh, back of the DVD summary? I do. Thanks to your image. All right, Jim Carrey is Chip Douglas, cable installer. Raised on television sitcoms, he wants life to look just like My Three Sons. And when he meets single guy Stephen Kovacs, played by Matthew Broderick, 
he sees his chance for some serious male bonding. By Chip's idea of friendship, which includes physical assault, a game of porno password, and a medieval joust, may be hazardous to Steven's health. In Chip's own immortal words, I can't be your best friend or your worst enemy. Directed by Ben Stiller, The Cable Guy is the perfect comedy for the two generation. Jim Carrey's comic genius is frightening. Yeah, so this is like an exaggerated version of something that everyone's been or everyone's seen where you like meet someone and you're like, oh, that guy's cool. And then they just get way too, they just won't back up. They won't give you the space. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, as far as just first memories, I, I, I remember loving this movie before I probably should have loved this movie. I quote it all the time with my brother. Um, do you have anything do you remember as far as like your first time seeing it? I mean, not really. It's just kind of like what you, I remember the reason why I wanted to see it was because of Nia Jim Carrey, like we discussed. That was yeah. the reason why this movie caught my interest. Um, I think I saw it when I was on TV and I seen it in theaters. Yeah. But certain scenes have stuck with me over the years, like the, uh, um, I have the night, the dream sequence that plays in Steven's head when you see Jim Carrey running through the hall. The, yeah, yeah, like that always, even watching it now, that part sort of terrifies me. And for whatever reason, like I, I took a long break between watching this as a kid and then as an adult years later. The ending has always stuck with me. Yes. So. Yeah, my memory, it's funny because when you, when you think of this movie, like I know, I've seen this movie quite a few times, and I know that Matthew Broderick is, is in this film. And there's actually a ton of other people that are in the film, like Ben Stiller, all along with directing it. He's got like a cameo, Leslie Mann, Jack Black, Janine Garofalo, uh, Andy Dick, Owen Wilson, David Cross. There's, there's quite a few, like the supporting cast is great, but this is this movie, whether you like it or love it, it's the Jim Carrey show. So if you, if you like this movie, it's because of Jim Carrey. If you don't like this movie, it's because you couldn't, Jim Carrey couldn't be anything other than Ace Ventura or Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber for you. So um, going into this, so this is, this is a 96 Jim Carrey uh, 94 and 95 are huge for him in 94. He had Ace Ventura uh, in the mask. And then uh, no, no, in 94 he had Ace Ventura, the mask and Dumb and Dumber. So what a year. Yep. Yeah, in 95, he had Batman Forever and Ace Ventura 2 when Nature Calls. He had this in 96 and Liar Liar in 97. So already, I mean, other than Batman Forever, that kind of, it's its own little world. But you can kind of see where the people who, if you went to see it expecting Jim Carrey to be Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey in uh, The Mask, Ace Ventura, obviously Ace Ventura 2, Dumb and Dumber, he's hilarious and Liar Liar. He's, he's hilarious, but it's a totally different style than, than this film. Um, Matthew Broderick, who's the other main star of this, Matthew Broderick has, when you look at his, his, like his filmography, it's, it's so strange because he, I think he's gotten more out of one film. Like Matthew Broderick has other good movies. He's very Broadway but, heavy for sure. Very, he's very theater yeah. heavy. Yeah, and, and but if you ask, like everyone knows who Matthew Broderick is. He's not he's not like a a character actor or anything like that. But then if you go back and you look at his his filmography, it's 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 pretty much Ferris Bueller. He had other movies like War Games in '83, Biloxi Blues in '88, 
Glory in 89, the freshman in 90, and the voice in Lion King. But really, of those movies, I bet you if you ask most people our age which ones they've seen, they would have seen, they would see and know Bueller, Ferris Bueller. Maybe they'd seen Glory, and then they would know Lion King, but I bet you they wouldn't even think of saying that he was in Lion King. So he, he's, he's a pretty high, like, well known celebrity for someone who doesn't have too many big hits, at least not recently. And he's had more films uh, in the 2000s and stuff, but he's totally different than he was. Yeah, so. like you like you said, pretty much, I feel like Lion King and Ferris Bueller, he could just live off <laughs> like yeah. with like royals and you know, the royalties and all that for, for those two films alone. Yep. And uh, not an actor, but well, he is an actor in this too, but uh, Ben Stiller as a director. As a director, short, but pretty quality record as a director, actually. Reality Bites in 94, this in 96, Zoolander in 01, which, you know, say what you will about Zoolander. It's not, you know, it's not the Godfather, but it's a kind of a classic stupid movie for, for that generation. Tropic Thunder uh, in 2008. And he also did Secret Life with Walter Mitty and Zoolander too. But I love both Tropic Thunder and Walter Mitty. Such good films. Yeah, so he, he hasn't, he hasn't directed many films, but his average is pretty good. He was. I didn't he before this movie came out. He had the Ben Stiller show, that was pretty yes. successful. Which is like a, I think it was a sketch show, right? I've never actually seen it. I think it was a sketch. Yeah, show. I remember it, and I do. I did. I have seen it. I did watch it a few times, but I don't remember a ton of details about it. But yes, he did. So, three three pretty big name guys now going into this, and like I said, there's a ton of other. Um, like supporting actors and actresses that are that are great, but it's you can see how this would be enough to to build a movie. So, some random facts. You have any random facts? I've I have a couple. I can start off with one if you want. I've um, Chris Farley was originally up for the part of the cable guy. Adam Sandler was also considered. Um, Farley had a two picture deal with Paramount. After Tommy Boy, he was obligated to make another movie. And he was offered this for $3 million, which is a huge amount for him. Um, he also had the chance to make another movie with David Spade uh, for nowhere near the amount he was going to get for this film. They decided that they would, uh, they decided they may have a chance to make another Tommy Boy. Chris turned down the film and Jim Carrey got this movie for $20 million. So that gives you an idea of where Jim Carrey was just coming off of Ace Ventura, uh, The Mask and right that. So he made $20 million which is a record for him. I think it was for him or maybe not for, maybe for everyone. When Jim Carrey was negotiating his $20 million salary for the film, he insisted that his attorney and two managers all wear Ace Ventura dressing gowns so as to not lose their sense of perspective. So that's a, that's a weird one because Chris Farley, comedy God. Um, I love Chris Farley. He couldn't have done this movie. It would, or it would have been a completely different film. This movie is so Jim Carrey is the body language, and this role had a lot of that, which I can't see without Jim characters like <clears throat> the body movements and all that. I can't see it. I can't see anyone else playing this role. Yes. Um, I had this is actually what I caught on this time watching it. I noticed more of like an I think an error more than anything else. But the scene when they're watching Sleepless in Seattle, you see them lose the cable pretty early on in the film. Uh-huh. And it's because Chip cut the cut the wire. But right. when he comes when he comes to fix it, literally seconds later, 
the movie's already at the halfway point. So Super uh, Sentinel has pretty much like we've already seen half the movie in about two minutes. I thought that was a pretty funny little yeah, uh, that's funny. continuation error. But um, slip up. And I also read that Jim Carrey wants to actually his character to die off at the end of the movie. I read that too. Yep. Which you wanted him to fall, like spoiler alert. Didn't he want him to fall on the to actually land on the antenna? Yes. Yep. Spiked out part, which would be this movie just the movie's dark as it is. We're just made a whole a whole other league of dark. <laughs> so. Yeah. Plus, I like the whole thing where he because you because you know that his character has done this to other people from Jack Black doing his like research, and then I love when the helicopter is taking him away, and he's like, "You're gonna be okay, buddy," or something. And he's like, "Buddy, I'm your buddy," or so whatever he says, and it's <laughs> yeah. like this is never gonna end. The two keywords is pal and buddy, which yes. is like keywords in a <laughs> chip's head. Yeah, so um, just a few other random facts. The scene, at medieval, the scene at Medieval Times where the cable guy asked for Stephen's chicken skin and then performs a Silence of the Lambs impression was all improvised. During one take, Jim Carrey asked for the chicken skin out of nowhere. After doing the Silence of the Lambs bit, uh, Ben Stiller loved it and wanted to keep it in the film even though it wasn't in the script. If you look at Matthew, Matthew Broderick's face during the scene, you can tell he's cracking up and it's 100% genuine. He's not... Um, He's not, he didn't know that was coming. So uh, that's one that, again, that's just the, the carry. Another another um, impro- improvisation is uh, the cable guy losing his lisp, getting it back, uh, rejoicing at it, and then getting it back was a slip up at first from Jim Carrey. So he just said the next word without the lisp. He forgot to do the lisp. And then he quickly ad-libbed him rejoining it or re-getting it. And, and they were like, no, you got to keep that. That's that's too good so <laughs> oh i know that's awesome more yep, of it, so, um, judd apatow is married to leslie mann and they met on this movie actually yes yep oh, that's a good one addition during this what a couple imagine how funny that house is oh i know huh <laughs> um during the filming of the scene in which the cable guy jim carrey plays basketball was discovered that carrey could barely dribble a basketball uh much less make a shot so ben stiller had carrey mine the action without a ball and visual effects technicians added the basketball in post-production, which that's actually pretty well done. Cause when I was watching it this time and he does that, like he's got two balls and he like crossed behind his back and front of his back. I, that I didn't, that didn't jump out to me as fake oh, no. looking. Yeah. Same, same with me. Like that's hearing you say that it's just, he looks really good on that court there. Jim Carrey. So. That's what I said. I was like, Oh, Jim Carrey's pretty good at basketball. I couldn't do that. I mean, I know he's like tall and lanky, but, um, some of the cable guys' predictions about what cable will do for the future came true, like having the internet, phone, and television through cable, as well as having the ability to play video games online. And watching that this time, for the first time ever, it really jumped off me. Even before reading that random fact, I, when I was doing my research, when he says that, like, you'll be able to order this on this and play video games with a kid in Taiwan or whatever yeah. he says, I was like, wow. Oh yeah, once he brought up the Mortal Kombat fact, I was like, man, like that is so good because people are doing that right now. So yeah, yeah. During the karaoke jam scene, Steve, this is one of my like, I don't, I don't have it down for one of my favorite scenes, but just this little part of the scene during the karaoke scene when Steven gives the cable guy a self-help tape by Jason Swear, Jason Swears on like getting rid of his lisp. Swears was the film's graphic designer, so he just made the. I think he just designed the self-help thing and put his, his name on it. But when he, when he gives that to him and Jim Carrey's like, he's like, 
emo- he gets emotional about it, and he's like, and Matthew Broderick's like, it's not, it's no big deal, and he's like, yes, it is, yes, it is. That's one of my favorite, favorite scenes. So, and last, we we talked about Roger Ebert and how he had no respect for this film or not enough respect. Gene Siskel was one one critic that gave this one a good review. He said it was Jim Carrey's best movie since The Mask in '94. So, Gene wow. Siskel knew what was up. Do you have um? Did anything in the film? Oh, do you have any more facts? No, other just like small ones, like Broderick had issue with the medieval time scene. I'm not sure if you saw that or not. I think I did. No, I don't think I did. He was allergic to the horses. So oh he yeah, yeah. Try really hard to not sneeze during that sequence. Yes, that is good. That'd be my brother. My brother is allergic to every animal in the world. So, um, do you have anything written down that, like, as far as stuff that wouldn't fly in this millennium, stuff that wouldn't fly in today's? Now this movie could definitely come out, I think. And yeah, because the stuff that's yeah, the stuff that's creepy in this movie is supposed to be creepy in this movie. So, right. I and mean, other than right, it's PG thirteen, so like it's meant for the audience. Right. Yeah. Other than the stuff that's um, like dated, just as far as like plug-in cable TV and stuff, nothing that nothing that's particularly offensive that isn't supposed to be offensive, or you know. So yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, that um, the home theory upgrade is hilarious. Looking back at that now, huh? all that like just spit stuff that takes up space like the speakers yep. like oh so good. i'm like man like that's an upgrade That'd be a huge downgrade in 2020 <laughs> i wonder i wonder um this is one of those characters jim carrey's character chip or whatever his real name was i wonder how i would love to read the script of how some of these scenes were done and see how much of it is just carrie like being Carrie, like the scene when he gets to, when he first gets to Broderick's house and he's trying to find the cable and he starts like rubbing the wall and he's like, come on, baby, where are you? Or whatever. I wonder if that was in the script or if it's just Jim Carrey, like you tell, you tell Jim Carrey, be a wicked, creepy cable guy. And that's what you get. You know what yeah. I mean? What was, what uh, was his real name? It was Ricky, uh, Ricky. What was, what, what no, was Ricky? no, no, it was, it wasn't. He told the EMT his name was Ricky Ricardo. That's right. What was his real name, though? I can't, I can't remember because he's. I think it was Chip Douglas and and whatever. But um, I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> Ricardo, Ricky Ricardo, and he's like, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. I honestly can't remember what uh, Jack Black figures out is his real name because I'm just. He's just Chip to me. So. <laughs> right. Oh, favorite scene. What's your favorite scene? All right. So I have a couple of th- things written down here. Um, so I. Quick scene. I love when they're lying on the dish bonding in the beginning there. And Steven says to Chip, hey, you know, my brother's a speech therapist. And character del- delivery of so is <laughs> so good. Yeah. It always gets me. I don't know why, but that simple delivery yeah. is just good. I love, love the Sam Sweet subtle, like, storyline throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Ben Stiller's character on the TV. Like, you see, like, the story progressing on the TV clips, like, the news and the... Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I that loved good. Whenever those clips came came up, I'd be, I, 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 I'm looking forward to them at this point. Oh, the, to, just to go back to what we were saying about stuff that wouldn't age well, it would because it's supposed to be stupid and funny. But when they're like, they're playing, <laughs> they're playing the 911 tape for that. And he's like, they came in and they were Asian. I don't know That's what, right. they were speaking some kind of language. I don't know what it was, but it sounded Asian or something. <laughs> That's that. right. It's so stupid. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, sorry. I took your. Go ahead. What, no, no, no. That's the whole scene is so good. And like, I really wish, I really wish we got 
more of that. But, uh, but my favorite scene in this movie is kind of like back-to-back sequences. So the night of the party where Chip is singing Somebody to Love, which we just <laughs> talked about briefly. Um, and Steven is trying to get his ex out of his head, which seems like a recurring thing we talk about lately. Watching Chip sing his heart out, which is so yes. good. Um, but then he gets together with that girl who he sort of likes. He wakes up and sees Chip wearing his clothes the next morning, making breakfast, watching TV at his apartment, which is super creepy. Yep. Um, and then he finds out that he's up with a prostitute, that Chip got a prostitute for Steven. Yeah. So like, he goes, I buy this time, you buy next time. <laughs> right. like, what? And she wasn't dirty. He did his research on her. which Yeah, was, which... yeah not a drip. <laughs> right. So that whole sequence. Then when he kicks Chip out of the house, because he's just at this point just pissed off. So how does Chip try and make amends to the situation? He sees the guy that Robin is on a date with the next night and beats the hell out of him in the bathroom, drowns Played by him, Owen Wilson. Played by Owen Wilson. And that holds back-to-back sequence, the scenes, I just, they just, they're so good. One scene, like, is there's comedy, there's a little bit of, like, lightheartedness, and the next scene we have Jim Carrey pretty much being the hell out of Owen Wilson. So one of my, t- I have two favorite scenes as well, and one of them is this, what, one of the ones you said. So the karaoke scene, and it, it's the same thing in both of my favorite scenes are what makes Jim Carrey Jim Carrey. Um, so I have the karaoke scene and the basketball scene. And I think the thing is, in both of those, is Jim Carrey's gift. Like, he has a crazy comedic mind, and he's clever, but he also has something that some people can, you can be as clever as you want and think of all the jokes. His ability or his willingness to just lay out and make a fool of himself. Like that karaoke scene when he's he's going 150% willing to make a fool of himself. And I don't know how, so many scenes in this movie, I don't know how Matthew Broderick didn't just laugh in his face. If I was supposed to play Matthew Broderick's part, this film would have taken three years to make because every every shot would have to do a hundred times. Oh yeah. And this in the background actually that I have playing behind me, people think it has been come out, but people think on Wilson, I'm not sure if you can look at people yeah. think he's trying to hold in a laugh the entire oh, time. Oh he totally is. I, I can definitely see it. Oh yeah. Yeah. He the another thing because you said uh when he gives him the the lisp um or no when he first meets Jim Carrey and then uh Matthew Broderick's like hey you know a friend of mine said um, that he slipped his cable guy 50 bucks and he gave him all the premium channels or whatever. And then Jim Carrey's like, um, you know, what you just said is theft and it is punishable by, punishable by uh, like $5,000 in fines and up to three months in a federal fulfill on a, any, like, how do you think of that? It's so stupid, but it's so good. So yeah, long story was- short, my favorite scene is Jim Carrey. I love the references at the end of the film. Yeah. When he's calling out uh, to Steven or to the I, the helicopter where he's like, I got the facts of life from the facts of life. I was I learning the facts. Yeah. yeah. I love all the references to all his features that he grew up watching that pretty much taught him how to be an adult. <laughs> yes. Yep. No, it, it's, and it's that part of it is um, kind of more and more, especially in today's world. Like I grew up, don't get me wrong. I've, I love my parents. I have good parents, but I grew up watching a ton of TV and I grew up in like my mom worked days. And I, so I, I, it's every, every kid, I think from our generation and even more so now you do get a lot of your 
for better and for worse your your lessons and your you set your expectations based on tv so it's that that kind of it's very relevant today so we talked about it in the beginning real uh kind of a topic here but it's just one that i had to, i have to bring up at this point have you ever seen freaks and geeks yes yep so martin star you remember the scene when martin star is watching the tv after a rough day basically and yeah. he's just so relaxed and laughing at i think he's watching a stand comic i can't remember who it was now but it's funny seeing how you know even back then whatever tv is kind of like just the escape for martin yeah. star's character it's that's one of my favorite scenes in all of tv i think it's one he's just super always down and he goes home has his tray of food in front of him and watches Sam County on HBO. And he just had yep. the time of his life watching it and laughing. And I'm like, TV really is. It's, it's impactful. It's like, it's, it is. And it can go either way. You can, right. Like, I know I, um, I've probably said this on the podcast before, but one of my heroes and a person I've always looked up to is I grew up my whole life from probably when I was 10 years old, when he had just started on NBC I've always looked up to Conan O'Brien and I remember I would, when he was, I watched every episode of his show when it was on, when he was on at 1230 and I would, and that's probably why my high school years went the way they did. Cause I would watch uh, his show from like 1230 to 130, sometimes get up for JV hockey practice at like 430 in the morning and whatever. But, um, so, and I still look up to Conan O'Brien. I'm 35 years old and I still, he's still kind of a hero of mine. Um, but if you pick the wrong person, it could, if you're looking up to the Kardashians or right, absolutely, whatever, you know, no offense, Kardashians, but no, um, anyway, no, don't, no, you keep that out there. Yeah. Okay. Offense, offense, Kardashians. <laughs> yeah. Um, so soundtrack that there are actually some pretty good, there's a lot of good music in this film. I don't know, um, that it plays a huge part in it. I love one song that I love that was in this movie that I totally forgot about was standing outside a broken phone booth with the money in my hand by the primitive radio gods. And that song, anytime that song comes on, I'm like, I love this song. So happy to see that. And there's some other good songs on there, but it, it wasn't a huge player in the movie to me. But what yeah, do you think? No, you, 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 what you just said it was a few, a really, a few really good licensed tracks. Um, I, I love somebody to love. So that yep, was, yep. That, that's probably the reason why I like that scene so much. Um, but the music was composed by John Ottoman, who is, probably known for his recent X-Men films. Um, but he's, uh, he's pretty relevant. He's been, he's had to work throughout his career. He's still getting work. So, but yeah, yeah like, you, like you said, not a whole lot of a score per se, more of like the licensed tracks that play. A part. Yeah. And it, and it was a, it was a well done, well done soundtrack for what it was because it didn't, it added a little, it didn't add much to the film, but it does have, if there are a few moments where you're like, Oh, I like this song. And, it's just a nice little nice touch, but nothing, nothing crazy. So um, I had a tough time with this. I'm sure you had an easier time with it than me, but if you could change one thing, what would you change? So I put, there's a lot happening in this movie. All three acts could be a standalone film. I felt like the movie's just like almost like three different films in one, but at the same time, this movie's already hard to watch to begin with because of the, like we talked about in the beginning here, the awkwardness for Jim Carrey's character is very much like Michael Scott off's approach for him. It's very cringeworthy. <laughs> so I don't know if I could watch any more of these films. I think one's a good, good amount. So instead of that, I'm going to go with the fact that Jack Black was awesome. And yeah. I, wish had, I wish we had more of him. We always kind of touch upon this, how we, how the friends. He's so 
good. He really is. And like, I miss, so like we, this is funny because we actually talked about Jim Carrey, how that like the friends of the back seat, which uh, Jack Black specifically uh, and high fidelity. He was a yep. character who got the back seat and he's so good. It, it was fun seeing him in this movie as like uh, a non zany character. And the reason why I think there should be more Jack Black is the scene when he's trying to help Steven out, uh, uncover who Chip really is. Yep. I wish that kind of dragged out a little bit because that was super interesting. Like the mystery behind Chip's character, how they're trying to figure out who this guy really is, if he's really a cable guy. And I kind of wish that was more of like, kind of like subplot throughout the film as like little by I little could, we get pieces by pieces like who he really is. I could agree with that. Yeah, that's, that's, um, I might steal that because I don't have a ton of, I have a few things that I, I wrote down, but that that's a good one. Jack Black movie. Have you ever seen, my first memory of Jack Black, have you ever seen the movie Airborne? I don't believe I have. No, is that? You probably haven't because it's, it's, it's like a 90, it's an early 90s movie. I want to say like 92 or 93. And it's about this kid who's from California and he moves to Ohio in high school. And it's like, a, um, like a aggressive, I don't know what the right term is. The, whatever the, the term for like rollerblading is when you're like, you know, jumping stuff and whatever. But it's, we're definitely doing that on the podcast eventually because Jack Black is in that. And that was my first, that was my first, that was my introduction to Jack Black. It used to be on, Airborne used to be on like, like TBS or something randomly. And I used to love it. And I bet you if I watched it now, I would be like, it's just riddled with flaws, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's a movie from my childhood. Man, I don't know what my first Jack Black film was. My favorite School of Rock, but I'm not sure what my favorite, what my uh, first was, Fizz. Yeah, this is '93, so this is this is a while ago. This is I don't remember. I don't know what other movies he may have done at that point, but this is the first one that Seth Green's in it too. It's like oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a total. It's the most random movie, but I'm disappointed we never got that Eric Roberts Sam Sweet documentary. I want that to be as a parody film. Yep, I I would. That'd be cool if they did that for like a for when they when they did the re-release of the DVD if they had like a a mini doc thing but um i i might steal what you said that i could i could do more i could get more jack black i could also get a few more scenes of that that subplots like behind the scenes storyline what i wrote down was um and this might sound crazy but because it kind of goes so i may say that matthew broderick is something i would change because he's a little flat in in the film but at the same time, that contrast between him and Jim Carrey is what makes makes the film. So, I so I kind of think it's perfect. But I I do think he could have you could have put someone else there who was not full of energy, but a little bit. I don't know, gave a little bit more. And I like Matthew Broderick, but um, if I had to pick something, and then I could have also done without. Uh, I'm gonna say something and take it back, just like I just did a minute ago. I could have done without the 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 Matthew Broderick getting arrested subplot where he's in like the board meeting and he gets arrested. I would have just done that differently. I thought that was kind of lame, but I can't take it entirely away because without that, you don't get the scene where he's in prison and and Jim Carrey puts his like nipple up on the glass. I I don't know. I'm not in uh, law enforcement or the judicial system, but I'm not sure if that's how it works. If you get arrested on a Friday 
and you can't make bail, you go to a legit federal prison. I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I hope, I hope I'm wrong because that seems a little unfair, but um, so I guess that's, that's, those are the two things that I said I had written down, but I agree. I like what you said. So. I actually, agree with, um, I actually agree with the whole prison sequence. That was, I think that that was spelled differently. It could have been, that was part of the one scene that kind of dragged on a little bit, I felt like, so. Yeah, and, and to kind of combine what you said and what I said, if you wanted to take that five minutes or whatever it was between the time that he got arrested in a board meeting and the prison scene and you wanted to make, dedicate that to more Jack Black stuff, like more more of Jack Black figuring it out, what was going on, or more of the... Um, the twins murder case uh, right trial yeah, jack, jack black was such a like an important character the few things he had he really pushed the story along so like i kind of wish we had more of him and less of robin but again robin's also a pretty important character so it's kind of like it's, a, it's tough to choose between the balance between the two of them but he's just jack so black too jack black is someone who you know he just knows what he is and he knows like there are some movies where I, I've I've seen him in, and he, and some of them I haven't even seen the the film, so I'm, I could be kind of I could be wrong, but he's really good at like he knows what he is, and he just stays in that lane and and just kills it. You know what I mean? So all that said, we've talked enough about the the movie. Um, if you've listened before, you know uh, our rating system. We rate films on a scale of one to five, would you be willing to pay a late fee? Uh, a one is you rent the movie, you get 10 minutes into it, 20 minutes into it, and you're like, I'm done with this. You return it that same night because you don't want to pay a late fee. You don't want to have the movie anymore. Um, if you're willing to keep it a day or two or three, uh, or maybe you're willing to just keep it forever and buy it from the video rental store, you can rate it up to a five. So one's bad, five's perfect. Um, Joe, what's your rating for the cable guy? So, I really like this movie. I don't like it as much as you, but it's something, again, I watched as a kid and I've kind of stuck with. It seems to have stuck with me throughout all of my life. I think it's a 3.5. And okay. I I really love the story of this lonely guy who just really wants to have a friend. Like he's, we see a backstory of him with like parents who just didn't care. Her mother didn't care. And she was just kind of looking out for herself. And we see Jim Carrey, like we talked about, getting all of his life advice from TV shows. And then he's an adult and he just doesn't know how to talk to people. He just doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how yeah. to be around. He doesn't know how to act around people. So like I, you feel for the guy, like it's hard to watch because you want, you want him to succeed, but you know, he's not going to, because he's just a complete fuck up. <laughs> so. well, yeah. And he's, his, it's like his heart's in the right place. Kind of, but he's <laughs> right. going about it. The, the, the totally wrong way. Like Absolutely. He, yeah. yeah. He has somewhere down in his weird, self he has a good you know he he's, has good intentions kind of you know but yeah right, so right. that's like fair it. i think 3.5 is a good score so i've been thinking this whole time because you keep saying uh you know it's like cringeworthy like when you're watching the office i think part of it might be that i have something wrong with my head because i love <laughs> like whether it's the office or this movie i think i just have a really dark sense of humor because there's there's not many parts in the movie that I'm like in this movie. Actually, I don't even know there are any parts in this movie that where I cringe. Like I, I just think it's hilarious. Like even the part when he's like, um, when they're at the porno password scene, when he's like, uh, what did you say? Like the mole on Robin's lower back or something. And, yes. he's, and then he's like, 
<laughs> even stuff like that like it's so stupid and twisted but i love it so um and it may sound crazy uh, but because i have that creepy inappropriate dark sense of humor um this movie is i'm gonna give this movie a four it's it's just i i really love it and i like i said i love jim carrey just totally committing to especially when he's where he was coming from with uh ace ventura the mask and his what he had done and still being willing willing to like not get not get stuck in that you know role and just to do it his way i really like it i um it's not my eh, it might be my it this is gonna sound weird but it might not be like i think i would rate dumb and dumber higher than this film but I I like this movie probably as much as Dumb and Dumber. It's as far as seen, early. Have you ever seen Charles Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Yes. Uh, the Gondry's film? Okay. Yes. And that's a whole other... Jim Carrey, for sure. That's, that's, a, that's a different Jim Carrey. Oh, uh, and, I, and I... That movie is one that, like... It's almost not even fun to talk about unless you know who you're talking to because some people just jump down your throat either way like like i know like my friends if i tried to tell them to watch that movie they would slap me in the face and then because they're like stupid it's not like i you know they like their jim carrey making fart jokes and whatever and then other people i think who are too artsy fartsy try to tell you that jim carrey that they like you have to be able to appreciate both and watch dumb and dumber and laugh and then watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and whatever. But no, absolutely. Um, the beer was also awesome. Um, so again, TV Party IPA, and we'll post the picture on Instagram and on uh, Untapped, and you can see how much I totally nailed this uh, this beer selection. Um, TV Party IPA from Radiant Pig Brewing. Pick it up if you if you see it in your local shop. Um, follow us on Instagram. We're at the late fee. Uh, suggestions are always welcome. We'll be back next week. Um, and we're gonna it's gonna be Joe's pick unless you send us a message and cut in front of Joe and give us your pick because you you'll get uh you'll get front of the line. And uh if you can send us a movie and a beer too. Preferably not a beer that's impossible to get. Like if you live in St. Louis and there's a brewery down your street and you try to get me try to have me find Mike's like sour something and uh, there's no chance of me doing it. I would appreciate I appreciate the effort, but um something that's attainable would be nice so if you don't send us a pick it's joe's next pick joe joe's got the next pick so joe what are we watching uh next episode frank oz's underappreciated film bowfinger starring steve martin and eddie murphy i think i would agree with you i haven't seen it i have seen this movie i haven't seen it in a long time but i would agree with you that it's underappreciated and steve martin and eddie murphy are what a team legends legends and eddie murphy i feel horrible for our generation because this is this might be an exception but we haven't gotten the best eddie murphy he he kind of he kind of checked out at a certain point which is fine i've I've, you know you've had enough success made enough money but i remember liking this movie i'm i'm excited for this one um i think i'll enjoy it better than i than more than your last pick but we'll well, uh, okay. Sorry. Well, we'll see. So right, after after we discuss our last pick, I actually ended up watching the documentary that night. So my whole night was dedicated to Galaxy Quest. Just to let you know. Oh God. <laughs>
because I feel bad for you. But I know. But I'm actually. I'm. I think I'm in the minority with Galaxy Quest. Um, and I and I said it when we reviewed it. But I think I just don't have because I wasn't a sci-fi fan. There's a bunch of like jokes and stuff that just don't. Anyway, so next we'll do Bowfinger. Uh, thank you guys very much for for listening. I have to find a beer to do with Bowfinger. I don't know what what the hell I'm going to do with that, but <laughs> I'll find I'll find I'll find a beer and we'll we'll see you guys next episode. Thank you very much. Have a good night. As always, thank you.